But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received. Good evening, Grace Baptist Church. May I ask you all to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We'll be reading verses 3 to 4. And so this message, uh, God gave this message to me specifically when I was uh, just looking at my own life and seeing things that I personally struggled with, things that, areas in my life that I personally need to work on. And this message was a product of that. So Philippians 2, verses 3 to 4. Philippians 2, verses 3 to 4, and if you're at home, read it with me. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So let's just open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me. I pray, Lord, that I would exclusively uh, preach your message, Lord, and not of my own. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to the hearts, uh, first of all, of the preacher. And I pray that you would also speak to the hearts of those listening. I pray, Lord, that uh, a changed life will be the result of, the, of your message, Lord, of hearing this message. I pray this all in your name. Amen. So when I was just a little boy in the Philippines, if you ask my dad or if you ask my mom, you'd know that all I really did was read books. And so from, since my uh, childhood, my greatest aspiration was always to, to change the world somehow. And it was because of my influences, which is the books I've read. I remember specifically a book of all of these famous people in history, of, of what they contributed to society. And I just looked at each of those people and I said, wow, I want to also leave my name on history. So at a young age, I had grand, dream, grand dreams already. But coming to Canada, I lost all of that ambition because of distractions that I had in Canada that weren't there in the Philippines, uh, technology, more friends, that sort of thing. So all of my ambition disappeared. But if you were to ask me when I was still a teenager, in the back of my mind, I, would, I still wanted to grow up having changed the world or impacted the world somehow. I had that desire in me. And truth be told, my reasoning for wanting to impact the world wasn't for some noble cause. I just wanted my name etched into history. It was a selfish reason, but that was the case. And I think it's a natural desire for all men or for all women to leave their footprints behind. They want their names to be immortalized in a way. A lot of people, they, they're always trying to find what it is that they can do, what it is that they can contribute so that they can immortalize their reputation, their character. But how exactly do you change the world? How exactly do you leave an imprint on society? And a better question is, can you really, a single person, change the world or change the society around you? Well, the truth of the matter is, we by ourselves, as individuals, we can't change the world at all. You know, if you've ever been in your, in your personal evangelism, if you've met a lifelong atheism, no matter how persuasive your arguments may be, no matter how persuasive you may be, a lot of them have already researched, a lot of these lifelong atheists have researched all of the arguments for why they don't believe in God. 
And so, no matter how well we present our arguments, we can't even change an atheist. So let alone, can we even really change a society? But what the Bible says in Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And even though we by ourselves can't change the world, I know for a fact that believers can do all things through Christ. All it takes is one fully consecrated believer, such as Dwight, L., Dwight Lyman Moody, Charles Spurgeon, the Apostle Paul. It only takes one fully consecrated believer to light the spiritual fires of those around them. And then the people that they lit on fire will then spread their fires to neighboring villages, neighboring towns, their, their family in different states. That's how you get a national revival, is it starts with one Christian just fully consecrating themselves. You know, when you look at real fires, in many instances, all it takes is one unstamped out cigarette or a, a small innocent campfire mixed with strong winds and, and hot and dry temperature to start a raging wildfire. You know, in, in past previous camps, we always, uh, Pastor Tim was always uh, asking Brother Mark, is there a fire ban this year? Is there a fire ban? Because there are some summers where it's just so dry, a simple spark of a fire can cause a lot of damage. It only takes one small fire to be mixed with the wind to encapsulate a whole forest. And though the fire was small originally, the wind spread that fire throughout. And looking at ourselves individually, the most fiery Christians, the most spiritual Christians, are just small in comparison to the glory of God. The greatest of Christians, if they looked at themselves, their spiritual fires are quite small if you compare, to, if you compare themselves to Jesus. But we don't need to be a big fire. Because we also have a wind that can spread that fire to others, and that is the Holy Spirit. Revival was always the product of the Holy Spirit coming down on God's people because we were asking for the filling, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But like with many fires, with many forest fires, those forest fires don't just get quenched by themselves. It takes the work of skilled firemen, a brigades of firemen just to stamp out that fire. And similarly, a lot of spiritual fires are being quenched by Christians. It's not necessarily because God doesn't want to send a revival. It's Christians who are quenching the Holy Spirit from working. When men and women desire, truly desire to see, women, uh, uh, to see souls saved, that's when we will have a national revival taking place. But that desire to see souls saved is first rooted in how selfless we are as Christians, which is the theme of our message, is selflessness. Selflessness. Charles Spurgeon, he was, in, his, in Christendom, he was one of England's greatest preachers, and some even hold to him being the greatest preacher of England. He was nicknamed the Prince of Preachers, and his ministry is encouraging personally to me and to many other Christians. But he said this quote, and I, and I really fancy this quote. It says, a good character is the best tombstone. Those who loved you and were helped by you will remember you when forget-me-nots have withered. Carve your name on hearts, not on marble. And I'll repeat that quote one more time. A good character is the best tombstone. 
Those who loved you and were helped by you will remember you when forget-me-nots have withered. Carve your name on hearts, not on marble. And the question now becomes, how do we carve our name on the hearts of other people? And this is figurative. I'm not talking literally carving your name on the hearts of other people. And the simple answer to that question is this. We need to be, as Christians, we need to be selfless. To show a Christ-like love toward other people. G. Campbell Morgan, who was one of the most revered preachers of the 20th century, he had a conversation with another uh, man, Robert W. Dale, who was a theologian. And it go, the quote goes like this. The late Robert W. Dale of Birmingham, England, greatest of our theologians, said to me, sitting in his study one day, I think I have only known one evangelist that I felt had the right to speak of a lost soul. There were many evangelists back then in that day, but this man said there was only one evangelist that he felt had the right to even speak of a lost soul. And so Morgan, Sir Morgan, Morgan said, who was it? And he replied, it was D.L. Moody. And it was because he never spoke of the possibility of a man being lost without tears in his voice. Dio Moody was a, a, one of the greatest evangelists in Christian history. And the reason why he was so fueled to reach other, other lost souls to Christ is because he truly cared for those lost souls. He didn't want them to go to hell. He truly did his utmost to stop those people from perishing for, for eternity. He was so successful as an evangelist because he was selfless. He had a genuine desire to see lost souls saved. He genuinely felt sorrow for those who never accepted Christ. And that's why he was so uh, uh, impactful. Moody was the same man who purposed in his life to always share the gospel to one person per day. He never let a day pass without sharing the gospel. And he was so committed to the cause of Christ because of his selflessness. He didn't care about his own personal life. He just cared about the eternal destiny of other lost souls. You know, when we think of selfless men in the Bible, certain big names pop up. But tonight I want to specific, uh, specifically highlight a couple of Bible characters that are less well-known that exhibited a deep sense of selflessness. So from the life and example of these two sets of Christians, I pray that we will have a deeper understanding of what it is to be selfless. And so my first point for today is Timothy's example. So turn with me to the exact same chapter in Philippians chapter 2, but verses 19 to 22. And if you're at home again, uh, follow along with me. And it says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. So in this verse, Timothy is described as a man who did not seek to do his own thing, who, who did not seek to personally advance his own agendas. He did not seek his personal enjoyment, his personal comfort, but he sought the things of Christ. That's the, that's the sole reason why the Apostle Paul sent Timothy to minister to the church of Philippi, 
was because of his faithfulness to the things of Jesus Christ. Those who have given up self to promote Christ are no doubt men of great faith and men of great love to other believers. You know, you look at all of the Apostle Paul's letters, and in a lot of his benedictions, uh, his conclusions to his letters, he mentions a lot of co-laborers. He has had a lot. The, 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 the propagation of the gospel was not just solely because of the Apostle Paul. He had many fellow co-laborers. But among all of those, he loved Timothy uh, a lot. He saw Timothy as a son, as a, as a father sees a son. And his great affection for Timothy is most likely because of Timothy's faithfulness. You see, we see in previous accounts that there was a short contention between the Apostle Paul and John Mark because of something that John Mark did before. Paul really admired those who were faithful to Christ. And that's why he loved, the, uh, uh, he loved Timothy. He focused on the things of Christ. So what are the things of Christ? Well, if you look in Matthew, you look in Luke, you look in Mark, you look in Acts, you see the Great Commission. But specifically in Mark 16, 15 here, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And the first step in being selfless then is to seek what the Lord wants, which is simply the salvation of souls. You know, unfortunately, because of the current pandemic, we, our, our weekly uh, scheduled soul winning has come to a halt because, again, we're not allowed to. But just because our scheduled outreach, just because our weekly outreach has been canceled, doesn't mean that our personal evangelism or our, or our personal efforts get hindered as well. We, can, we have the freedom to share the gospel to others still. And as Pastor White was just saying earlier, the world is just getting crazier. Politically, economically, in all, all sorts of ways, it's just deteriorating. But especially, uh, morally speaking, the world is just getting worse by the day. I'm seeing things that I've never thought I would ever see, as, and it's acceptable now. And with our current situation, I'm just afraid that Christianity as a whole has cooled down in terms of our soul winning efforts. I, think, I feel as if some people have used the excuse that there's a pandemic going on to stop sharing the gospel to others. Maybe some of you are stressed because you are jobless. Because of the pandemic, you have no job. Some may be stressed because of an increase in workload. I think of the frontline workers. And you, you guys are doing an amazing job, but you guys have an increase in workload, and that might cause you stress. Some are stressed because they fear for their personal health. They fear that they might get the COVID and they might not, maybe, they may, you won't survive the, uh, the COVID. So some people are scared because of the personal health. And this, all of these sorts of stresses have unfortunately cooled down our, our fire to reach lost souls. And I'm not at all encouraging anyone to be reckless and to just completely uh, disregard all of the COVID guidelines. I feel like we have to be respectful as well. But we can't let this pandemic completely stop us from sharing the gospel to other people. We need to be creative. We need to be innovative in how we share the gospel to other people. We, now more than ever, we have, social media has become so important for reaching and, and, and spreading the, the gospel to others. And you might not go, leave your house as much because of the pandemic, but wherever you go, try to plant a seed. A plant a seed that might eventually grow and lead someone to Christ. 
If you desire to be selfless, you must be willing to preach the gospel to others even in the midst of this pandemic, even in the midst of the crazy time that we live in. Again, this is another quote from Charles Spurgeon, and he says, If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. The picture that Charles Spurgeon was trying to paint is that a picture of a, of a Christian who did his utmost to reach the lost souls around him. A Christian who did his best to the point of really like visual, uh, figuratively grabbing onto the lost souls to stop them from going to hell. That is the, 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 the picture that Charles Spurgeon was trying to make us visualize. We need to do our utmost to stop people from going to hell. Some of us, we see other people who we don't agree with, maybe atheists, maybe people who are living sinful lives, and we already dismiss them. In our minds, we don't even bother sharing the gospel to them because we think that they're a lost cause. But we must do our utmost to reach out to everybody we meet. Will everyone we share the gospel with get saved? Realistically, probably not. But the, at the end of the day, you did what was required of you as a Christian, as a believer. And guilt can no longer be placed upon your shoulders for not having done anything. Thomas Kempis, uh, he was most famous for his book, The Imitation of Christ, is a Christian classic. He said, let this be thy whole endeavor, this thy prayer, this thy desire, that thou may be stripped of all selfishness and with entire simplicity follow Jesus only. His book centered on the fact, uh, on the theme of conforming to the image of Christ. That was his, his, his sole focus in his ministry was to become more like Christ. And if we want to become more like Christ, and if we truly really mean to become more like Christ, we can't do so without having a true desire to see souls saved. We need to be selfless and pursue the salvation of other people, those we like and those we don't like. There are times that I, I, get, I stay up just on my bed and I can't sleep because there are some people in my life that mean a lot to me, but I know for a fact that they're not saved or two, they, I don't know if they're truly saved. And at night, I just think about how much guilty I would be if I didn't share the gospel with them and they didn't get saved, and then I would have to spend the rest of eternity knowing that they didn't, they're not in heaven with me. And that should keep us awake. That should fuel our, 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 our pursuit to save and, and share the gospel to other people. Let not sinners go to hell without being warned. So I just pray that we have a selflessness that allows us to be completely fueled in our, in our self, uh, sharing of our gospel. And the second point is, and the last point, is Priscilla and Aquila's example. So the first point was Timothy's example. He focused on the things of Christ. And now we look at Priscilla and Aquila's example. So turn with me to Romans 16. Romans chapter 16. And we'll read verses 3 to 4. And it says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. And in verse 4 it says, Who have for my life laid down their own necks. 
In that verse, in verse 4, we read of, the God, of this godly couple's testimony, Priscilla and Aquila. And so, knowing the Apostle Paul, many of you know that he was a hated man. Many Jews hated the Apostle Paul because his message was just completely bizarre to those Jews who were holding on to the law. It was completely bizarre to them, and they hated the Apostle Paul to the point that they, many tried to kill the Apostle Paul on many occasions. They were always trying to uh, sneak up on him and kill him when he was unawares. And the story was probably the same in Corinth. In Corinth, he was also probably targeted by the Jews there. But from Paul's words here in verse 4, it says, It is evident that this godly couple stuck their necks out for the Apostle Paul, even if it meant endangering their own life. Back then, it was very dangerous to be a Christian. If you said the wrong things about, about, about Christianity, about, if you preach Jesus Christ and his resurrection, many Jews will hate you. And many Jews will, were willing to take your life if you preach that message. Priscilla and Aquila stuck out, uh, stuck out their necks for the Apostle Paul. And this couple exemplified John 15, 12 to 13. This is where someone asked, what was the greatest commandment out of the ten? Jesus summarized it by saying, love God and love others. But many of us are, 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 are forgetting that loving others part of, of, of God's summary of the Ten Commandments. In verses 12 to 13, I just said, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Priscilla and Achilles' willingness to sacrifice their life, potentially, was proof of their immense selflessness and in turn exemplified the greatest degree of love, which is to be willing to sacrifice your own life for another. At the heart of many of the world's issues is mankind's inclination to prioritize their own good. Rather than seeking the good of our neighbors, rather than seeking the good of our other fellow believers, we rather seek our, our good, the good of self. You, you look at the, we talk about the financial ladder, Men and women are willing to push off and step on other people so that they can get to the top of the ladder. They're willing to defame another person's character just so that they can make themselves look better. And at the root of that is selfishness. When someone asks for our help, maybe in our day-to-day, -day, we meet someone, we come across someone, and they ask for our help. Our, unfortunately, our first thought is always whether helping them would be a hindrance to us or maybe... Uh, whether helping them would give us some sort of benefit. For a lot of us, we only help if there's some sort of, of incentive to helping. Again, the root of that is selfishness. For a total of four years, of, of combined of over four years, I've worked in a supermarket. Two years in a Korean supermarket, two years at No Frills. And as a person working in, in, in a supermarket, I saw firsthand the selfishness that people can have. You know, we talk about the initial stages of COVID when toilet paper was running out. I was at ground zero. I was at the supermarket when all the stores were getting completely wiped out. All the toilet papers were getting wiped out. And I witnessed firsthand the selfishness of some people. They were willing to uh, get into like these very loud altercations with one another just so they can have the last bag of rice or the last uh, toilet paper. They were willing to berate the employees just so that they can get um, tomorrow's stash of toilet paper. Their own selfishness 
Made them act in ways that I, I, I didn't know people would act. Maybe you've seen Black Friday clips of people stampeding and, and crushing other people just so they can get the last TV. I saw a video yesterday, on a, uh, it was showed up on my recommended. It was, it was kind of like a small game. Seven strangers were put into like this one couch and they had to decide within themselves who would get the $1,000. Only one person could leave the $1,000 and they had to decide within themselves. And it quickly became a, a, a video that where people were just bullying other people. The last three finalists of that video were all selfish. They were willing to bully, they were willing to be racist, they were willing to just play every dirty card out there just so they can go home with the thousand. They were selfish. It showed how, how far people are willing to go just for a quick $1,000. People are willing to, to give up their morality just for $1,000. I don't need any more evidence to prove how selfish humanity is. History has already displayed abundant evidence. Stephen Sharnock, who is he's most well known for his discourse on the existence of God, he, battled, he, was, he, he attempted to battle atheism. And he said, self is the great antichrist and the anti-God in the world that sets up itself above all else. You know, I'm not going to generalize all atheists, all of their beliefs, but many of them, especially the younger ones, the reason why they're atheists, the reason why they refuse to believe in God is not because they don't believe the arguments for the existence of God, but at the root of it, they just want to live their own lives not being held accountable to a higher being to God. They want to completely fulfill the lust of their flesh. If that means sleeping with a, with a person of the same gender, even if it means um, doing some wicked sins, they just want to do what they want. And they're willing to forfeit their eternal destiny for temporal, temporal pleasure because of their selfishness. But the Bible is clear. Its message is diametrically opposed to what the, the world preaches. If you go into social media, it's always preaching self-love. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to love yourself. It says to love God and to love others. You know why? It's because we don't have to be taught to love ourselves. Because of our flesh, we just naturally have a great regard towards ourselves. We naturally have abundant amounts of pride. We don't have to be told to love ourselves. Some of us love ourselves too much. But we do need to be taught to love God and love others because we don't do enough of that. In our world, you look at babies. Babies are super cute. Infants are super cute. The one thing that's not cute about them is their selfishness. Truth be told, babies and young children, they tend to cry, they tend to scream, and they throw nothing less than a tantrum just so they can get what they want. If they want that toy, they're going to let it be known to the whole world. If they want that piece of snacks, they're going to cry about it until they get it, until the, the parent talks to them. And, you know, it's expected of babies. We don't, we don't get angry at a baby just because he's crying over something. That's just natural for them. But it's different when adults are doing that. We are expected to mature when we get older. That's natural. We're not supposed to be a child for the rest of our lives. We need to mature. But it's even worse when that's coming from believers. If it's the world acting like children, it's because they don't have the Holy Spirit in them to change their life. 
But when a Christian who has been, who has had the, the privilege of the Spirit entering into their hearts is acting like a child, that's a shame. But though, though the world itself is selfish, we can't buy into that, uh, that philosophy because the world will never be reached by selfish Christians. The world will always be impacted, however, by selfless Christians, like the guys I mentioned earlier. Paul, he disregarded his life all of his life, he gave up all of his pursuits to reach, other, uh, other, uh, to, to reach lost souls. And he is now known as history's, a Christian history's greatest missionary. Many hold him to be the greatest missionary. Barnabas, at the time when Paul was freshly converted, freshly met Christ, he was willing to lose his reputation with, with the other Jews. He was willing to lose his standing with the other Jews. But he took a chance with the Apostle Paul. And he ended up discipling his history's greatest missionary. He was selfless. He couldn't care about his own reputation. He knew that the Apostle Paul needed a mentor, somebody who can teach, them, teach, him, and, uh, teach him more. And Barnabas was willing to disregard other people's opinion to reach out to Paul. Moses, he disregarded his lofty position in Egypt just so that God can use him to lead the Israelites out of, the, uh, out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. Selfless people will always be used in an impactful way in, the, in Christendom, the greatest prayer warriors were always selfless. They prayed hours on their knees. They sacrificed much of their time, and for many, they sacrificed their well-being. And I think of David Brainerd, who spent hours uh, just praying. He spent, he spent days, he spent a, some, a, at times a whole day praying. He would skip all of his meals, and he had uh, terrible health. But he was willing to sacrifice his own well-being just so he can intercede for his people, the people he was trying to reach. The greatest missionaries were also selfless. They were willing to give up the comforts of their own home. They were willing to give up the comforts of a stable income, just so they can go into uncharted territory, to go into an, a dangerous land that needed a, a preacher. The greatest pastors, the greatest evangelists are also selfless. They give up all of their energy. They give all of their zeal to shepherd the flock that God had given them. They're willing to stay up all night. They're willing to wake up at hours that most people are asleep just so that they can tend to the flock. Being selfless is the key to impacting the world for Christ. And God used the greatest act of selflessness to give salvation to the entire world. All of Jesus' ministry was rooted in his selflessness. But practically speaking, we're getting away from the, 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 the philosophy of it. How do we show selflessness to others? As believers today, how do we show selflessness to others? And I'll just go through this quick. One, by repairing broken relationship with other people. Many are willing to stay bitter with other Christians because of some small inconvenience. We're unwilling to give up our pride. But we have to give that up. We have to be selfless. Give up your petty pride and make up with those people that you've had broken relationships with. We can be selfless by witnessing to others, even if it means a tarnished reputation. Tarnished in air quotations. The world will tarnish a reputation if we preach Christ, but we must be willing to give up their view on us. We can be selfless by helping others. Believers are unsafe for no incentive. 
We can be selfless by addressing and answering the needs of other people, either spiritual or physical. If we can be a prayer answer to another individual, that is a great form of being selfless. If you give your time, treasure, and talents to the church, to the ministry, or to some other person, to other believer who needs it, that's a, that's a way to show selflessness. Children and teens watching this, no matter how busy you may be, no matter how much homework you might claim to have, always be willing to give up some of your time to help your parents in some chore. They will greatly appreciate it. We can also show our selflessness by talking to the downtrodden of society, the poor, the destitute, the homeless, those who have abused drugs and are now in the streets. We have to be willing to uh, um, be, show love to them as well. The, the, the people who are not shown love by anybody else, I, I pray that we as Christians will show love to them. By serving God in some capacity today, even amidst the pandemic, is a way of showing selflessness. And truth be told, there are dozens of ways to show our selflessness, but we just have to pray and ask God to show us how we can, be, how we can show our faith today to others. Someone once said that every act of selfless love is a declaration of our faith. And I ask you this, Christian, have you been declaring your faith to others? Because essentially, a selfish life is the same as putting a bushel, uh, is hiding our fires, is covering our fires. But when we are just so loving to people who are undeserving of it, or are loving to fellow believers, we show our faith. We declare our faith to other people. Our, our actions speak louder than our words. If you too want to leave behind a legacy and a story that ultimately points to the glory of God, then as Charles Spurgeon said, start carving your name on the hearts of other men. And I'll finish with this verse, Acts 20, 24. And this, this verse was spoken by the Apostle Paul. But none of these things move me, Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I don't doubt at all that Timothy, Priscilla, and Aquila, Apostle Paul, I don't doubt at all that those men and women were greeted by the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. When they saw Christ in heaven, I have no doubt that was the, the line that they heard. And if you desire to be greeted the same way when you get to heaven, when you meet Christ, then focus on the things of Christ. Show the love of Christ to others today. Declare your faith to others. And like the Apostle Paul said in that verse, count not your life dear unto yourself. Selflessness is the key to impacting this world for Christ. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.